Okay, thanks for checking out Locked On Syracuse today. We welcome you back on this Tuesday edition of Locked On Syracuse, your only daily Syracuse podcast out there, as always, brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first box of Built Bar today. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, and Ty, kind of a bummer to start the show today. My long-lost cousin of sorts, Riley Leonard, same last mm-hmm. name as mine. You couldn't the, swing him, Tim. I know. I, I was so excited to have a quarterback named Leonard to root for at Syracuse. And obviously, aside from the selfish desire to have someone with the same last name as mine, just because he had a great tape and he was a very intriguing prospect. And Syracuse has been struggling with quarterbacks to land them. But we found out yesterday Riley Leonard is committed to Duke. And David Cutcliffe, there was some Vanderbilt rumblings. He had a Nebraska offer as well. He is going to Duke. And I think some Syracuse fans are upset because we've kind of been down this road before with quarterbacks where since Tommy DeVito and since Dino Babers has taken over basically 2018 class on, they're not quite getting the quarterback recruits they want. And Leonard seemed like he was the number one guy on their board. And unfortunately, he's going to Duke. Well, it's going to be... A very awkward Thanksgiving for you and Riley. But this is something that, (laughs) listen, Syracuse, they wanted to land their earliest quarterback in the past four cycles, okay? And they had a chance to do that with Riley Leonard. And when you're doing it that early in the process, that means you are getting your guy, right? And Riley Leonard was clearly at the top of their board. That seemed very vocal, on on, at least out of the mouth of Leonard. So. The fact that Syracuse was this high and they, they strike out on him, a little disheartening. Again, we're not the the podcast or the group that says, oh, anytime you miss a commit, it's a huge miss for the program. They're going down the tubes. But <laughs> at the same time, when you're going into the grocery store with your mom, when you're six years old, like there's the one candy bar on the shelf that you want. Okay, You know you can't get all of them, but maybe you can pick out one when you're in the checkout aisle. All right. And Riley yeah. Leonard was the one for them. That was the the Snickers bar, the Reese's, whatever you like when you're checking out. That was the one that you were hoping you could swing and put into the cart. They couldn't do that. And that's what's the disheartening part. It's not the fact that you're missing out on all these guys. It's the fact that you're missing out on the one that you really want. And I guess the, the David Cutcliffe difference, again, it, it's not to be underestimated because no. it is a real thing. The talent that he has coached time and time again and developed is a very real thing. Not to mention the fact that, and I, I don't think anyone knew this until it came out yesterday in some articles once Riley committed, that David Morris, his quarterback training coach of QB country, was coached by David Cutcliffe at Ole Miss and was actually a backup at Ole Miss behind Eli Manning. He currently trains with Daniel Jones. So I heard that and I was like, man, why did I even get my hopes up a little bit? Because that feels like a tough relationship to overcome from a Syracuse side of things. And it's a real bummer, I think, more so than just missing out on a normal recruit because quarterback A is so, so important to a team's roster and their makeup. And quarterback, for whatever reason, and Dino's been honest about this, he can't really place why they're struggling, especially early on in these cycles. And it's not a complete disaster. I mean, they did get Chance Amy to flip, but no longer Chance Amy is with the program, so you don't really get any rewards from that, although he was a good flip on signing day. 
And I think we both really like Dylan Markowitz, who we interviewed on this podcast kind of in the early stages of when we were getting this thing up and running. You can go back and check that out because he's a very bright guy from Texas as well. But these aren't any middle tier or high end three stars. I mean, you go back now, 2020 was Markowitz and Jacoby and Morgan, two late ads. They missed on Tyler Van Dyke and Mason Garcia, two guys I thought they could have gotten. And 2019, David Summers, a pretty decent get, still a little too early to see from him. And then he's a late process guy, too. Yeah. I mean, these are all late process. So it would have been great to get Leonard right away and just have one of those guys to really look forward to. But the Cutcliffe relationship, as you said, is definitely something we can't overlook here. And clearly, that was a big part of the reason why Riley picked Duke. Right. Tough when the guy you work with ever since the fifth grade was coached by this quarterback guru. And you kind of, I mean, essentially through osmosis, Cutcliffe has been training Leonard in a sense. So that's something that can't be denied. But getting back to your point. So yes, you want to get a quarterback every single class, but that's mostly a depth purpose thing, right? You're not doing that because you can't get the the face of your program in every single class. That's just yeah. not how it works. The face of the program is always going to be the quarterback, right? Un- unless there's some glaring or, or just absolute standout on, at linebacker or running back. But the quarterback is supposed to be the face of the program. You cannot get that in every single class, but you still want to get a quarterback in every single class because of the depth purpose thing. Sure. But at some point, you do have to be looking for the guy who is going to be the face. Eric Dungy was your quarterback, right? So then you bring in Tommy DeVito as the guy in waiting, but you know that eventually one day he is going to be the guy that is going to end up being your starting quarterback and the poster child for what your program is in the current day. Now, this cycle was probably the one where you needed to pick up that guy. Because you have to start yeah. eyeing that guy down and the road. And it's still early. But it, it is I, early. I but, I mean, this cycle, I mean, the whole reset of when you have to start looking for your next guy probably had to happen last class. It definitely needs to reset in this one. Because next season, they're going to enter the year, when you look at the backups, with one quarterback on the roster that has a top 1,000 national rating. It's DeVito and then Rex Culpepper. Rex Culpepper is not going to take a snap at quarterback unless something goes terribly wrong. So they have to start grooming someone because Tommy's got two years left. And when that eligibility runs out, it's going to be kind of a mad dash. You're looking at a bunch of guys not highly touted. And again, we don't we're not one of those groups that likes to get wrapped up in stars and ratings. Dino isn't no. either, and that's fine, okay? But quarterback, it matters, okay? It is the most important position in all of sports. You hear that time and time again. And if Let's you're start. not getting a guy that you truly believe in at that spot, you're going to be in trouble. It's concerning to me because once they got to Vito, it kind of made sense. Like, Dino's got this fun, electrifying offense. It's an easy sell, you'd think, to a quarterback. That's yeah, why you're going to throw for 4,000, 5,000 yards if you want. Yeah, and and I know a lot of people are screaming at me right now and probably saying, well, the offensive line, I think, is a big reason why a lot of these guys aren't committing or Syracuse isn't seeing the same success since DeVito. There probably is some truth to that because— There's a lot of truth to that. The yeah, offensive no line, I mean— they got blasted last year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They were basically the worst offensive line in football. 
if you go watch the tape on Tommy DeVito, and I know Tommy DeVito did walk through some tape with Riley Leonard on a Zoom call, which I think is a pretty good idea for trying to convince the guy to come here. Didn't work. But if Riley Leonard just looked up Syracuse Clemson highlights, Syracuse Pittsburgh highlights, you name it NC from last State, year. I remember was a big one too. Oh gosh, we were at that one and that was mm-hmm. brutal. But I mean, DeVito couldn't even make a three-step drop at times without seeing a couple guys in his face. He got hurt, and that didn't help, but the offensive line was really a problem. And maybe, you know, you can convince a recruit that it's going to get better and it just is going to take some time. I don't even know. I mean, the tough part is Eric Dungy, when he was here, we don't really know if the offensive line was that good. We, we do, but it was probably better than year last year. It definitely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, Dungy probably disguised some of that, too. So if you're a pro-style quarterback like Riley Leonard, that's got to be a concern. And then Duke's got great academics. Now, we're kind of laying out all the reasons why they wouldn't come here, but there's still a ton of reasons why they should, and it's not like Riley Leonard is a four-star. Now, he's not right. rated on 24-7 sports yet, which is a whole different story. He's he's better than that. He's in my eyes, a pretty darn good three-star quarterback, and there's a reason why he's getting looks from Duke and Nebraska and Vanderbilt. But it's not like he was getting looks from USC or some of the schools that Tommy DeVito was getting looks from. I mean, if they're going to lose to teams, I'd like it to not be to another basketball school in the conference. Now, quarterback's kind of a different story with David Cutcliffe being there in Duke, but they're losing to teams that, you feel like are kind of on par with the level of program that Syracuse has and quarterback should be kind of a selling point in this Dino offense. You add in Sterling Gilbert too. And he did basically produce Dylan Markowitz already, who we do like, I mean, that relationship was instrumental in getting Markowitz to come, but it'd be nice. A big reason why they brought in Gilbert was to get a QB early in this class. And we still haven't seen it yet. And again, the, the options are, Thinning out a little bit, this this team's offered 15 guys. Nine have already committed elsewhere, so you've got six outstanding offers. That's going to be your real test now because I'd imagine a number of those guys are going to want to get these decisions out as soon as possible because of the uncertainty in the world right now. And then you just kind of go from there because you need a quarterback in this class, not just for the adage of adding a quarterback in every single class. You need a quarterback in this class because you need to reset the program at some point. This isn't the NFL where you can draft a guy, boom, five years, you got him on your roster guaranteed. And then boom, you can slap a franchise tag and then boom, you can throw a bunch of money at him and seal him up for another five years. In the NFL, you can set your quarterback position for a decade if you do it right. College football, yeah. you, you get three, four years to figure it out. And you got to reset. It's tough, but you have to. Well, they're going to have to. And we'll get into those options right after this break. Last thing I want to say before we get to that on Riley Leonard, I saw some talk. People were upset because Duke already has one quarterback commit in this cycle, Jordan Moore. The only thing to keep in mind before you play the why would he go there when there's already one commit is From looking at Jordan Moore's tape, and clearly a lot of articles are out there, he's listed as an athlete, and it seems pretty likely he's going to change positions. So Riley could have been kind of promised that he was the it guy quarterback-wise, and I think that's probably what happened here. Yeah, not to mention the fact that, I mean, all these kids go into a program thinking that they will be the starter. Whether or not they're told that, they're all going in, especially when you're going into these high major schools, 
You're going in betting on yourself that you are the guy and that you will be the guy because you're going to outwork whoever your competition is. And I mean, I, I, that's why I oftentimes find the whole competition aspect to be somewhat of a misnomer a little bit when you talk about recruit. Now I'm not saying it doesn't totally matter. It does matter to some degree. Some guys don't want the competition. Some guys want to have the starting spot handed to them. And in some cases they do have it handed to them, but some guys, they don't care about the competition because they think they will beat the competition. Well, not time to panic just yet. It's early. There's still options out there. We're moving on. We wish Riley Leonard the best, my long-lost cousin, and I'm sure he'll have a good career at Duke. A, a talented kid that Syracuse would have liked to have gotten, but let's check out who else is out there for Syracuse. They really need to pick up a quarterback in this class. We'll go over their options after missing out on Riley Leonard next. Okay, quick break to talk about our favorite protein and energy bar on the market. It is, of course, Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first box today. I got to say, Ty, one of the best parts about us getting into Built Bar here, at least for me personally, is it's convincing me to work out a little bit more because it's a nice reward at the end of your workout, something to look forward to when you go on a run. Because as we've talked about, these are basically candy bars that just happen to be healthy. I'm with you, Tim. I- I'm the same way. That's the way I wrap up every single one of my workouts. In fact, you know, you say that's the best part for you. The best part for me is I'm sticking golf shots within five feet now, okay? That is the <laughs> built bar difference. So I'm also very excited with the fact that they are rolling out new flavors. In fact, they just put out my favorite flavor, okay? I haven't tried it yet, but my favorite flavor. <laughs> it's your favorite. It- it's it's the flavor whatever anytime i see this in ice cream whatever i get it cookie yeah. dough all right it is now on the market so that is my next built bar that i will indulge in i am going to go to builtbar.com and i can get my ten dollars off by using the promo code locked on man cookie dough that sounds good i'm gonna have to invest in one of those too we might have to reconvene and, and do a review on the cookie dough because that's a new addition. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code locked on for $10 off your first box today. Okay, so the orange miss on Riley Leonard. He is committed to Duke as of yesterday. And now, kind of like we did with the center position on the Monday edition of the podcast, there really is some kind of concerning similarities between the way quarterback is trending and center is trending in terms of recruiting of the last two or three years for Syracuse. But let's play the what other quarterbacks are out there now for Syracuse, kind of plan B. It is still early in this process. I saw Josh Huffstad, the running back commit, Jason Huff, was on Twitter. He tweeted, no need to panic with the orange emoji, hashtag chill. I think that's a good way of putting it right now. Mr. Huff has provided great content for us. (laughs) Yes, big fan (laughs) of his. He's awesome. He's been great, and obviously we're very excited about his son to come to Syracuse completely, too, but he's been great with the Pittsburgh fans and everything, and and that was a funny tweet that kind of put it in perspective here because it is still early in this process. There are a number of guys that they have offered. I think we should start with two guys here from New Jersey that have been more sort of linked to Syracuse. And that's Taj Bullock, who is a dual-threat quarterback, and Dorian Noel, who's a pro-style quarterback, but a big pro-style quarterback, like 6'2 220. These two guys are definitely within Syracuse's wheelhouse. Bullock 
starting with him more specifically, has gotten a little bit more hype lately. He does have a Duke offer, but I don't know. I mean, after getting Riley Leonard, that might be a little less committable for him. UCLA has offered him on the other side of the coast, and basically the biggest offer for him, which is going to sound kind of funny when I say it, but it's Rutgers because that's the local school for him, and Rutgers is the team that on 247sports.com, there's one crystal ball. It's him going to Rutgers. He's visited Rutgers recently. He does have a BC offer, too. But a dual-threat guy, and Syracuse was able to land Chance Amy, a dual-threat type. They have the history with Eric Dungy. They have had a lot of good dual-threat quarterbacks. I mean, going back to Donovan McNabb, if you want to go that far back. So maybe dual-threat is the way they go to try and get one of these high-priority quarterbacks. And Dungy was great in the dual threat system, so that's the way that you can sell it. Taj Bullock, I mean, it, it, Rutgers, yeah, the, that's got the crystal ball right now. We don't know exactly where his head is, if he's got a, an internal list or whatnot, but that would be nice. I mean, this is a guy who, again, we, we can get all upset and pout about the fact that there's no Riley Leonard, but Taj Bullock's got a higher rating than Riley Leonard. He he's at a, an 86.3 and, and Riley Leonard doesn't even have a rating. So is he 86.3 yeah. better than Riley Leonard? I don't know, but the the whole thing with Bullock is again, you want someone who can be your face, okay? He's one of those guys. He's cuz when you look at the remaining six guys that Syracuse has an offer out to. You've got one four-star in Shadur Sanders who Again, if you look at Syracuse's track record, you can probably throw that out the window, especially if you're saying Riley Leonard was your number one, then Sanders you're probably not feeling great about. Taj Bullock and Kyle Kelly are two guys who are your high three stars that are left on the market. Then you've got your other three stars in Dorian Noel and Xavier Copening, and then a guy with no rating in Jarvis Evans. So it's... To me, it's kind of a, a Bullock and Kelly thing. You want to get one of those higher three-star guys who you can view as a guy who can lead your team at some point in time. Yeah, Bullock has a pretty solid tape. I took a look at it. Definitely got some solid ability to throw on the run. Projects well as a dual-threat guy for sure. Maybe a little bit undersized. Maybe needs a little more pop in his arm. But those ratings are solid. And a UCLA offer is frankly one of the better offers in terms of any quarterback that Syracuse has been in yeah, the conversation with. Yeah, for sure. So I I think he's the guy that maybe you're circling now. Now, the other thing to point out with that is his offer, he came to Syracuse on a junior day visit. That was before Sterling Gilbert was the new offensive coordinator. And you'd have to think once Gilbert got here, he evaluated quarterback first and foremost and was looking at, Because a big reason why they hired him, Dino's been vocal about this, is they needed to improve their quarterback recruiting a little bit as well. So you'd have to think that's a big part of his priority when he's looking at recruiting. Who knows? Maybe he looked at Bullock and thought, "Eh, I'm not as interested as some of the other previous coaches were, the other current coaches, so let's scale back on that. Because we haven't heard anything to make it seem like Syracuse is actively pursuing him. Now, we... Don't really know, though, because just based on the fact that we haven't heard anything doesn't mean that that's not the case. So I would say after the Riley Leonard situation, you missed on him. You're probably going to look at Bullock harder now. And You're going to ramp up and, on someone else, whether it's yeah, Bullock. you like, have to. Any of these guys. Or maybe right. someone they haven't offered yet. 
Exactly. I mean, that's very, very likely. Now we're looking at, I think you said there were six offers that aren't committed yet. Well, that's just early. I mean, they have gotten a lot of guys late in this process. That doesn't mean they can't get someone good late, but I just would rather see someone come in before the national signing day because I'm a little tired of feeling that uneasy feeling about where's the quarterback here, especially in this class, as we've talked about, because this isn't the first year this happening. You know, early on, you could say Tommy DeVito is going to be there for a while and he's kind of got that thing under wraps. Now, pitching a recruit now, I mean, they have an opportunity to take over the offense in their second year, maybe, if if it's a high-level guy that develops well and everything. So that excuse doesn't really apply as much. Dorian Noel, other guy we could talk about real quick, his offer also came before Sterling Gilbert. Not quite as good of an offer sheet. Syracuse is actually his only Power 5 offer, kind of a lower-end three-star. He's got Georgetown, Bowling Green, Cornell. But this is a guy who is definitely physically ready for the next level at six, two and a half, 220 pounds. And, and this is why the quarterback is so important in this cycle. It's because think about with Tommy DeVito, okay? And you can say what you want about what he did in his first full season as a starter, but he learned under Eric Dungy for two years, all right? He had his redshirt season, and then he yeah. had his redshirt freshman season. He had some great moments, his redshirt freshman season. And, he, I mean, he won some games for Syracuse. You think about he UNC. closed out Florida State, and he had the great comeback against UNC, like you just mentioned. So you need you don't want to throw in a true freshman to the fire because that it's just better that way. I mean, even you look in the NFL, these guys don't always start as, as true rookies. They have a year of, of prep under them, at least the ones that end up having these great careers. I mean, even look at some of the best players in, in the league this year, okay? You look at Lamar Jackson. He he had a, a couple years under Joe Flacco. Patrick Mahomes, he sat out for a year, yeah. developed. Same thing, it, it works the same at the college level, all right? Aaron Rodgers did that, too. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, too. You you look at even the case of Alabama. Say what you want. Yeah, Tua won a, a national championship as a true freshman. Well, he had that whole season to sit behind Jalen Hurts, right? And that that then he ended up going off from there. Even Trevor Lawrence, he had he had to sit some time before making his first start as a freshman, okay? It doesn't have to happen right away. You do want that year or so of buffer before you actually get thrown into the fire and are asked to win games. And that one year where Tommy DeVito is going to be a senior, that's your buffer year. That is your redshirt year. And then, boom, you can restart that cycle where you will have now four years or if he's really good, three years uh, of a yeah. guy who can can win you some games for a couple years, and then you restart that cycle all over again. And then you build up the notoriety of yourself as a program that can develop quarterbacks. You need to, to get on this now because you have to start looking for the guy and have him sit out that one year, learn a little under DeVito, get a feel for this complex offense, and then, boom, be ready to pick up the second DeVito graduates. Yeah. I mean, it may sound like we're kind of overthinking this and putting too much emphasis on missing out on one QB, but I think the reason why is because it's been a trend here. And also, as I talked about earlier, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to me why they shouldn't be able to get a QB that they quote-unquote want because they have an offensive coach that is very well-regarded 
and they produced a lot of numbers in a dome stadium that is easy to throw and all the rest of it. So, I mean, that's why we're we're talking like this. It's not like Riley Leonard was the first one they missed out on. I know Tommy DeVito is a great get, and you can't forget about that, but it was four years ago now. So you really hope that they make some strides in this cycle, bring in a QB, and there is still time. So we'll continue to monitor the QB situation going forward. When we come back, one Syracuse player hit the transfer portal yesterday, a linebacker. We will tell you who it was and what that means going forward into next season. So some transfer portal news now to get to on the Syracuse football side of things. Juan Wallace, the linebacker who was entering his junior season, really a pretty highly touted recruit for Syracuse standards, had an offer from Georgia initially, some Maryland interest, a Duke offer as well. Wisconsin He's leaving. was in that mix too. Was yeah, West Virginia. I mean, I mean, he had some really good offers. Kentucky, Iowa State. I mean, yeah. he was hitting regionally. He was hitting pretty much every power conference. Right, that you could a guy ask. that that we really liked. I think once we found out that he was coming to Syracuse, watched his tape back. I am G guy too. Yeah, and definitely an area where Dino has had success. You think of Andre Cisco. So I was kind of bummed Michael when Jones, I saw the news yeah. today. Yeah. Because Wallace, first off, linebacker is not necessarily a strength right now for Syracuse. It's kind of been the same thing for linebacker the past three or four years now since Zaire and Paris Bennett left, where they plug and play three new guys that are fresh new starters, and then those guys graduate, and then they have to fill in three new guys. Well, Juan Wallace was not on the two deep. Six linebackers named in this 3-3-5 defense. Jeff Canton and Tyrell Richards, along with Steve Linton, were the projected starters. You've got Michael Jones, Lee Koba. Those are kind of your quote-unquote future guys, a little more undersized than the three I just mentioned, but four-star guys. So maybe Wallace looked at that and and thought he could be better suited going somewhere else, but it's kind of a bummer because I, I really did like him, and you obviously hate when anyone leaves, but based on his offer sheet and talent, I thought maybe they'd get more out of him. Yeah, so two things that I I take away off of that. First is he's not on the two deep, like you mentioned, but maybe that's a reason why he's not on the two deep. Maybe the coaching staff knew he was transferring, and this has been a a drawn-out thing. So that could have been a factor as well. We don't know how that all played into it. But on top of that, I mean, like you mentioned, this team has really reset the linebacker starters seemingly every year these last couple of seasons. Now you're in that position where it's going to be a formidable group going forward. You're going to see some consistency. And what I mean by that is the guys who start this year are also probably going to start next year too. And we haven't seen that in a while. So Juan Wallace, let's say that the the too deep thing was a real thing and, and the fact that maybe he had desires to transfer has nothing to do with it, okay? Uh-huh. If that is the case... And you look at this, and your your name's not on there, on that too deep anywhere bet- from weak side, middle, or, or strong side linebacker. Well, this position is going to be set for the rest of your college career, essentially. Maybe you can slide in, but in all likelihood, you know you're probably not going to beat out two guys. So yeah. when you see that, yeah, 
it, it's time to go because it's time to go find a, a new spot because listen there is going to be power five interest in Juan Wallace there already has been extensive power five interest in Juan Wallace in the past so I would say yeah when you look at this depth chart the way that maybe things didn't shake out the way you thought it would so yeah no this was the right move for him it, it's time to move on because it, it's tough to beat out two guys across the board too you also have to wonder if the fact that Syracuse is bringing in a new defensive coordinator, a new defensive system, the 3-3-5. He's not extremely tall, and I think the 3-3-5 is going to put a little bit more emphasis on how much you can stop the run at the linebacker position because you have one less guy in front of you as a linebacker stopping the run. And also, you might have to be asked to line up with the line of scrimmage occasionally. You're going to maybe have to be a little more taller a little more physical maybe he looked at that again this is speculation and said I don't think this is the best system this isn't why I came to Syracuse this isn't built for me necessarily at just 6-2 perhaps knowing that and where the linebacker situation is it makes a little bit more sense when you wrap that into context and the other thing is for all we know he could just want to move closer to home like I know that's kind of a common take when you see someone transfer but a lot of people transfer every year for that reason. You know, a lot of people go to a school as just a normal student and realize they don't really like it. That's also a possibility. You're going to lose players to the transfer portal. Juan Wallace becomes the second here in this offseason to leave Kevin Johnson Jr., the legacy wide receiver, also in the transfer portal. So all things considered, you know you're going to lose a couple I did feel a little bit more bummed about Juan Wallace just because I kind of had high hopes for him. And linebacker is sort of a spot where they're still trying to figure out the future of sorts. But when I put it more into context and looked at it closely a little bit more, it, it does make some sense why he's transferring, I guess. Yeah, and, and never forget this fact, too. He came in under the impression that he's playing for Brian Ward. He's not playing for yeah. Brian Ward anymore. Maybe there was an, uh, an attachment there. That's another thing that always can play a factor in a guy's decision to move out of the program. No doubt. Well, coming up later on in the week, we might be talking to, or we're hoping to talk to, a guy who could kind of fill the linebacker spot down the road. We don't exactly know this guy's position, but we'll be sure to ask him. Derek McDonald, one of the new football recruits in this class, is hopefully going to join us Thursday and Friday. But before that, be sure to check out tomorrow's episode because we're talking some more hoops tomorrow with Matthew Gutierrez, our good pal, over at The Athletic. So that'll be a fun conversation. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, go check out the Locked On ACC podcast or any other podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.